Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast in which we speak with some of the brightest minds working in the media business today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety. The sports world will converge on Phoenix next Sunday for the Super Bowl. And though it may be Fox in the broadcast booth for the big game, another brand will make its presence known there in its own distinctive way, Barstool Sports. With the company expected to finalize its sale to casino owner Penn Entertainment, Later this month, it's a good time to check in on the state of the business with its CEO, Erica Ayers. We'll be back with her in just a moment. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. Oracle.com strategic.
If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. Welcome back to the podcast, Erica Ayers, CEO of Barstool Sports. She was first on Strictly Business back in October of 2019. And Erica, I remember then feeling as if I still had to explain the Barstool brand to those who might not have been fans, but not this time around, which isn't to say everyone in the world is a Barstool fan, but I feel like it's big enough where everyone should know by now, right? I mean, do you when you look back on these last three years? Does it feel like an incremental evolution or, or a quantum leap for the brand? Uh, I think it's probably more the quantum leap. Um, you know, it's funny when I think back to 2016 or 2017, 2018, we were always explaining who Barstool Sports was, what did we do? Why did we matter? How did we exist? And more often than not these days, people, you know, know us before we walk in the door. And, you know, when I, when I got to Barstool originally in 2016, I was just trying to get us out of the Northeast corridor. Like the, the idea that someone in the middle of the country or in California knew about Barstool sports was slim to none. Right. And now you, you know, you know, you not only see us all across this country, you're starting to see us in other countries. So I, I would say that the brand growth has been intense. And to say that these last three years in, in change, it feels almost like a century in barstool years. But back then, Erica, sports gambling was not part of the barstool game plan. And yet I want to play for you the very last question I asked you in that interview because it was very telling. Just hang on a moment. Where else are you guys going to go that we need to pay attention to going into 2020? You need to pay attention to sports betting. So I think that we will be a force in sports betting in the type of content we create, in the way we create it, in the level of passion and originality in, in, in what we do. So sports betting is a place you should definitely look out for us. So there it was. You knew gambling was coming. I'm just curious back then. Was, was Penn even on the horizon? Like, wh what did you know about uh, the gambling future of Barstool back in late 2019? It's so funny that that was your question. I mean, it's like, what did you know? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I knew that we had very passionate gamblers in the house. Um, I watched them gamble all the time. I watched them talk about gambling. Um, you know, in 2019, we were starting to see everyone be ready for sports betting, right? The 
um, the fantasy companies were building their databases really aggressively. That at the time was FanDuel and DraftKings. We were starting to see advertising become, you know, a, a gambling advertising or uh, fantasy advertising really at the time become a, a major ad category for us. And the way that the sports you know, at that point, the fantasy companies, let's call them, the way they were vying for our audience was extremely telling. So, you know, we were always very hopeful that sports betting and PASPA would be repealed and sports betting would be legal because we knew that the way we talked about sports, the way we covered the sport, uh, sports, the way we had sports gamblers in our house and in our midst was really, really different than how most traditional company. We knew that that was very, very different than how most traditional companies were going to approach this space. So, you know, even back to 2019, our, I think our hope was that we would be acquired by a gambling company or a sports betting company. And, you know, flash forward to 2023, that's about to be true. And the 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 acquisition by Penn first happened uh, in 2020, right? I think about 36% of the company they took at That's that exactly time. Right. And now it's $550 million later, they're going to scoop up the rest. So is Barstool a fundamentally different property under Penn Entertainment? What's What is the Penn influence here? How does it change your game plan? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's 650, so you can add a hundred million oh, to that. I'm um, sorry. But um, I think, you know, what Penn is interested in, and, you know, frankly, most sports betting companies are interested in our audience, right? They're looking for an addressable market. They're looking for an addressable market that exists across a wide swath of states because sports betting is still managed on a state-by-state -state basis. What Barstool has in spades is that audience, right? We have 200 million fans. We're growing fans in different states, in different sectors, who are passionate about different personalities and different types of content on different platforms. So what's exciting about Penn and what's really great about this partnership is that Penn recognizes the value that Barstool brings. And the value that we bring is really as a dynamic sports media and entertainment company that makes a robust and very broad swath of content, a, a large, you know, we cover a lot of brands. We have 80 brands in this house. We have over a hundred personalities. So we talk about a lot in a lot of places, a lot of time. Um, the second thing is we, the way we've talked about sports betting is to make it very conversational and to really make sports betting and, you know, organic and an authentic and an integrated part of what we do. And, you know, for the most part, they've really let us do that. There's been things we've had to change. There's guardrails we've had to put up. There's processes we've need to, needed to put into place. But, you know, the vision of, you know, what Penn wants and the vision that Dave and I had for the business are really very closely aligned. And Dave, of course, is the famous Dave Portnoy, founder of Barstool, 20 years ago this year. It's amazing yeah. to think it's been 20 years. Um, a controversial figure. Um, I, and I think his he has been, I'd say, the best salesman for sports betting, but it hasn't been without controversy. You guys have run into some bumps in the road in Massachusetts where there was a, a, a suitability preview, uh, a review, I should say, and in Ohio, an advertising violation. Um, is 
is this just sort of, you know, at its par for the course, this is how it is getting into uh, an interesting new marketplace like this? Or is Dave Portnoy going to complicate this for you every new state you get into? No, you know, look, sports betting is in its it is in really early innings here to use a sports analogy. Like it's not it's not national, right? It, as I'd mentioned, it's on a state by state basis. Every state has, you know, different tax rates, different rules and regulations, different processes, different preferences. I think part, you know, for Barstool, getting into a highly regulated business was a big, you know, big change for us, big transformation. We were ready for that. We stepped up, we stepped up to the plate for that. And I I, I would say by and large, we're doing a very, very good job of that. Like anyone, we trip, we mess up, we we correct those mistakes and we move on. You know, Dave is arguably one of, if not the most influential person on the internet. He is insanely uh, prolific. He covers what's happening on TikTok in one of the biggest shows on the internet. He's also reviewed hundreds, if not thousands of people to places in this country. So he has great range himself. I think Dave, you know, is an incredible force of nature. He's been a force of nature in making Barstool Sports relevant and hot for 20 years, which, you know, and in the in the in the era of media and the era of brands and influencers to have that kind of staying power is pretty incredible. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think the, the last thing I would say to your question is, you know, Barstool is also bigger than Dave, you know, Dave, when Dave launched Barstool sports, Dave could have launched daveportnoy.com and it could have been just about what he had to say, how he had to say it, what his takes and opinions were the type of content he wanted to make. He didn't choose that path, right? He chose to bring other personalities along with him. Even from the very beginning, you know, when Barstool was just a newspaper and now we've grown really exponentially. So you look at million dollars worth of game, which is hosted by two gentlemen in in Philadelphia, the way they talk about sports betting, the way they talk about culture, the way they talk about music and the way Dave thinks about things are couldn't be more diametric. But that's also what makes Barstool Sports so captivating. Um, it's also what makes us so confounding because it is so many different things at once. Well, I think a lot of your personalities will be on the ground in Phoenix this weekend. Talk about what you guys are doing at the Super Bowl. It's a lot of different things, but um, sounds like you're going to make your mark. Yeah, the, it's a great question, Andrew. So, And I think it really puts a pin in what we're talking about, right? So we're descending on on the Super Bowl on Phoenix today. We've got some Chiefs fans, not really. We've got a whole rowdy bunch of Eagles fans. Um, the biggest thing we're doing is a mini golf tournament, right? Which is probably not what you would expect from a media company or a sports company covering the Super Bowl. No. We're going to cover a mini golf event the way people are covering the Waste Management Open, which is happening right down the street from the Super Bowl. We're also having... Uh, a massive trivia, uh, massive trivia night. So we have a brand called The Dozen, which is one of our newest, but really a vibrant trivia brand where all sorts of Barstool personalities compete. Um, they rib each other, they're cutthroat with one another, but we're doing trivia at our bar in Scottsdale, which is called the Barstool Bar. So I think the things that we're doing that are very different 
are that we're doing, we're covering everything from trivia nights to mini golf. We're having a pickleball tournament with Pardon My Take, which is the number one sports podcast. We're doing live radio with Bussin' with the Boys. So we're bringing all sorts of characters and personalities into environments and experiences, which I think are really fresh and unique. Um, what, my experience with the Super Bowl is it's quite traditional, right? You go to the Super yeah. Bowl, all the media line up in desks on Radio Row. People get funneled through Radio Row. Everybody's promoting whatever product they were hired or sent to the Super Bowl to create. And it's kind of like rinse and repeat. There's a big party with a lot of big talent. We, we think about things totally differently, which is what is it that young audiences or millennial audiences, what do they care about? What will they think is funny? Um, what are the opinions we want to feature? Who are the personalities we want to pair up with one another to create the most chemistry and the most excitement? Um, and really, no two Super Bowls have been alike for us. Uh, and you are actually having a you guys have I assume prior to the to the uh, Super Bowl, a barstool branded sports bar in Phoenix. Uh, yes, that's right. And there's more than one of these around the country. There are. Yeah. So we have bars in Philadelphia. We have a sports bar in Chicago on River North. We're building a sports bar right now in Nashville. We opened Scottsdale in November. It's been insane. There's lines across the block. So, you know, I think it's a really good example. I think it's a really good example of when you have a brand that means something and stands for something how that brand takes shape can be unlimited. So long as you're purposeful and you have integrity to what you stand for, who you serve and how you do it. And, you know, in the case of our sports bars, you know, they, they're run by a great operating partner that we work with. They look like Barstool. They feel like Barstool. They're a great place to watch the game. We're there doing trivia or streaming the game itself. We're doing our, you know, live streaming shows from that bar. So we put, we put it into the center of our ecosystem. And I think that's, you know, that's what makes Barstool really different. We've launched, you know, one of the top flavored vodkas in the world, because we think about products, we think about places, we think about experiences, and we think about content in the same machine almost. That's definitely unique. Not a lot of businesses out there uh, doing it quite like that. And I want to go back to what you were saying just about sort of coverage of sports, because there's been a number of events in recent months where you guys have functioned kind of almost like a traditional, though very not traditional, rights holder in terms of covering the event. So tell me about some of the things you've done and how you've done it differently. Yeah, it's cool. Like just thinking back to when we spoke in 2019, like I would never have said out loud our hope and the dream to be able to broadcast live sports. You would have laughed me off of the podcast. <laughs> no one would have taken us seriously in that. But in fact, that's exactly where we are, which is, and, and this is really what I love about Barstool Sports is that we are not afraid to try things. I think media sometimes rests on tradition and rules and the established way of quote unquote doing things. Um, and we just don't believe in that. And because no one really ever wanted to help Barstool Sports and we were kind of left on our own, we 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 emphasize 
figuring stuff out for ourselves. So, you know, we did it with, we had a college basketball double header in November in Pennsylvania uh, called the Barstool Invitational. We broadcast and sponsored the Arizona Bowl, which was a college football game between Wyoming and Ohio University. Both were massive, massive successes for us in that we had, you know, hundreds of thousands of concurrent viewers, which translates into millions and millions of views. They were comedic. They were funny. But we also covered sports in a way that your traditional sports viewer still got the game that they're used to seeing. And what I really believe is, is the infusion of comedy and entertainment and a, in a broadcast experience of a live sporting experience, that's going to be the future. And I really see us at the forefront of that. And hopefully, look, you and I'll be talking in another four years and you'll be like, wow, now you're broadcasting football, you're broadcasting college sports. Like, I think that's the that's the tip of where we're going. I love the ambition, but you know very well the barrier to entry for rights to, you know, college football or pro sports is obscene. Could we really get to a place where Barstool is going to be bidding for, you know, top shelf sports entertainment? I, you know, I wouldn't say I agree with you. It is obscene. Um, and in some ways, the business model is very broken, right? You know, most companies that take a big flyer on live sports, live, live rights are taking a bath on the economics. Now, today, could we compete for, you know, college football rights? Obviously, we're, we're never giving NFL rights. Um, college basketball, NBA, probably not. But that's also, you know, I think the world in five years from now is going to look really different. Um, I also really believe, you know, I think we're we're in an era of, you know, if you think about social media, it's for you, right? You go to Twitter now, you used to go to Twitter and now you go for you and who you're following. When you go to TikTok, it's personalized. Your discover page is algorithmically personalized for you. I think sports will be somewhat of the same thing, right? You see Amazon playing with playing with this now, which is, hey, I may want to watch an NFL game, but I want to listen to the Mannings, right? I want to listen to the game in Spanish with particular comment commenters. Why can't couldn't Barstool Sports play in that world? And I, I think that's more so where you're going to see things go. And then look, over time, you know, I think the other piece that makes Barstool so captivating is, you know, when you looked at the Arizona Bowl, you know, we did not have Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, we had Wyoming and Ohio University, but it was an electric overtime game. And there's something about the uncertainty and the drama and the excitement of live sports and the humor and relevance and kind of it factor that we bring where it doesn't have to be top shelf to be interesting. And, you know, that's what I think is interesting as part of this. Well, what also strikes me when you say that is, is why not just have Barstool invent a, a sport of its own or a, a, a tournament of its own, similar to, say, you know, Overtime is a company out there that's sort of blazing its own path. Is that something you guys would think about? Maybe, you know, I think Overtime is really interesting. I think Overtime is very smart in the way they're looking to create leagues, you know, the way they're creating their own league in Atlanta, to be honest with you, I think is super interesting. Yeah. I also think it's very labor intensive. It's insanely physical and it's kind of finite. 
And we have a little bit of a different ethos, which is we're not going to commit to one sport or one set of player or one set of teams. This is almost like the ultimate ADHD company, which is we're flying all over the place, um, which is, I think, where we'll stay. Well, but you you say that with like a, you know, a badge of pride, but couldn't I criticize and say, guys, get some focus here? I mean, you could, but we're the fastest growing brand on TikTok. I think to actually be successful right now, you have to have ADHD. In a moment, we'll be back with more with Barstool Sports CEO, Erica Ayers. Stick around. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself, but we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to body.com. That's body with an I.com. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. We are back with the CEO of Barstool Sports. And, you know, Barstool now is a brand that I think has earned the right through its growth over the years to be mentioned in the same breath as more established sports brands, ESPN, uh, Fox Sports, The Athletic. When you look at your your competition, how do they deal with sports betting? Because it's so central to what you're doing. It's clearly something that is becoming bigger and bigger for them. Or are you those zagging in a way to their zig? And, and what is that? 
It's a great question and a complicated one because it there's really no one size fits all approach. The way I see the world is you have the the daily fantasy slash sports betting companies, let's say like a DraftKings, they're trying to build their own media brands, right? So DraftKings is invested in Meadowlark. Meadowlark has, you know, built a bunch of personalities. Um, you know, they have Lebetard, et cetera, where they're trying to build media as a bolt-on to their sports betting company. So there's one approach where the where the betting companies are becoming media companies. Um, that is a long road and an extremely expensive road. Um, and it, as you know, it's hard to grow brands and it's hard to command attention and have to con con convert that attention into transaction in a fairly low, of low amount of time or a fairly quick amount of time. So that's one flavor. The second flavor is you have, you know, the FanDuel's who are just signing influencers, which you could say is a flavor of the same thing. Pat McAfee, who is at Barstool Sports, wildly, wildly talented. He's on ESPN. He does work with the WWE and he also has his own flagship shows. He's a FanDuel guy and he's going to promote and, and champion FanDuel in everything that he does. The third variety is really, if you look at, you know, if you look at Fox and what Fox was trying to do with Fox bet, Fox is like, okay, we'll do, you know, we'll sign up with an exclusive partner. We'll embed sports betting into what we're doing. We'll have a stake in that business and we'll get a, you know, we'll get a VIG or we'll get some incentive on the economics. Um, but it's very traditional and it's all expressed through really TV viewing and live sports. And then you have us where we're kind of doing all of those things to your point in very with varying degrees of of commitment, I would say, and that we're, you know, we're experimenting here, we're experimenting there. How do we make sports betting conversational? How do we appeal to urban audiences around sports betting via two highly captivating black men? How do we think about sports betting? as we talk about college football? How do we think about sports betting in strictly creating betting only or betting specific shows? How do we create drama amongst our personalities based on their bets or based on who their allegiance is from a team perspective? So I think it's very early in terms of how this is all going to shake out. I think the traditional companies traditional broadcast companies, it remains to be seen how successful that's going to be. The bet is obviously tonnage, right? right. So you can get so many impressions, you can get so many views to a call to action to bet somewhere. Um, I think the digital companies, the question is, can you convert disparate audiences on disparate platforms? Can you convert them to be sports bettors and to be loyal to the sports betting platform? Obviously, Disney and ESPN is like the elephant in the room of the big question of, you know, will Disney allow sports betting and will ESPN pick a betting partner? Um, and I think if and when that happens, that's really a watershed moment for for the trajectory of sports betting as, a, as well as the kind of the acceptance of sports betting. So I realize that's super long winded, but I think it's, you know, there's different approaches with different types of partners with varying degrees of success. Um, with everyone acknowledging it's early days.
But is it winner takes all? Is there going to be one dominant brand or is there more than enough to go around for multiple winners? I I don't think it's going to be winner takes all. I think it's like credit cards. Like <laughs> you're going to maybe prefer American Express, but you also have a Chase card and you might also have a, you know, a Visa card or a Discover card. Like I, I think there will be some consolidation. I think there's too many players right now in the space, but I don't think it's going to be one player by any, by any shape of the imagination. Let's take a step back uh, and just sort of put Barstool in, let's say the, 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 macroeconomic reality of what's going on right now, you know, economy, not in the greatest place, digital advertising, not as high growth as it used to be. And, you know, other digital native brands like yourself, uh, you know, Vice, BuzzFeed seem to be in, frankly, worlds of pain. So Mm -hmm. how do you guys avoid worlds of pain? Uh, is Is it a stressful struggle time given the challenges in this macro environment? Yeah, um, great question. (laughs) Um, This job is for sure stressful. Um, Uh Some of it self-inflicted and some of it not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, In a lot of ways, we are like the last of the Mohicans. Like I think digital media really has lost its way. I was lucky in the beginning of my career, the internet was just starting and digital brands were just burgeoning and everything was upside. It was all upside. But what you've seen is that, you know, I think a lot of digital publishers lost their power to Facebook and Google when they started to give their content on terms that they didn't control for economics that they didn't control. um, With no certainty, with very little guarantee and, you know, ultimately you know, the social networks took what they took and the publishers were left with what they had. Um, I also think, you know, television is in a tough spot just because of attrition and, you know, the massive reduction of lines of revenue, which which falsely probably propped up those businesses. You know, in our business, when I got to Barstool Sports, we didn't have a whole lot of money in the bank and we didn't have a whole lot of certainty about where the business would go or what it could become or what it would do. And I was just frankly worried about payroll. Um, And so as a result, we built a business that was pretty diverse, right? We built an advertising business and we built a commerce business. And the reason I wanted the two businesses is when the advertisers got a little nervous or the advertisers started to walk away or the economy started to soften, I could always turn to another line of business to cover our expenses and make payroll. So it wasn't rocket science, but it did enable me to ride a couple different horses at different times for right. different reasons. And, and it helped it helped shore up the business. So You know, overall, what I would say is I think we will buck a lot of the trends, softness in advertising, macro economy. We won't be immune to them. We're we're big enough now where we couldn't be immune to them. But one is we have a brand that stands for something and that people love. The minute that Barstool isn't loved and hated and talked about and 
you know, overanalyzed. And the minute we lose that, we're going to be in the same boat as everybody else. So the single most important thing we can do is to keep this brand resonant and relevant. The second thing is I like diversity. I like diversity of business models, diversity of thought, diversity of perspective, diversity of talent. And we will always have multiple lines of business that the support this company, whether it's licensing businesses, advertising businesses, commerce businesses, live event businesses, pay-per-view businesses, subscription businesses, et cetera. And so long as we can, you know, as so long as we can continue those, we should be in, in good shape. And then the last thing is we just perform, you know, as the world becomes more digital and things become more quantifiable, whether or not you move the needle for an ad partner or a consumer brand or a partner, it, it's easier to find out and track and measure. And we tend to, to perform and track and measure very, very well. Speaking of our digital world, brands like your own, big and small, are, are looking ahead to sort of the next big trends, the metaverse, NFTs, uh, artificial and generative AI, I should say, where you know, you could conceivably have computers or software pumping out content. Are you looking ahead to these things? No, not really. I think that, you know, when the metaverse arrives, we will do just fine in the metaverse because we understand how to, we understand how to make our brands work in many, many different environments what Barstool Sports is, what we look like, what we feature, how we do it, when we do it, why we do it on Snapchat is totally different than TikTok, is totally different than Twitter, is totally different than podcasts, totally different than YouTube. When the metaverse shows up at scale, we'll be ready to engage. I, I don't know that it behooves us to go figure it out first. I think we would spend a lot of energy on that with not a lot of return. We're not the people to go figure out necessarily the next frontier, but what we are the people to do is when the frontier is here and it looks like there's some amount of scale, we're ready to engage. It's kind of like clubhouse. Like, I don't know if you were a big clubhouse guy, but for a minute, you know, like everyone else for a minute. Right. So everyone was like, Hey, you got to get Dave in a clubhouse. You got to get Dave in a clubhouse. Dave should clubhouse. And I was like, it, it was capped at like, maybe it was 5,000 or 500. I can't remember. There was a cap at how many people could be in the room. And I was like, I, Dave Portnoy is going to bring 150,000 people to this, not 500 people. So we'll hold off and we'll show up when there's a clubhouse for 150,000 fans, not 500 fans. So it's, I use that example, not to say the future isn't coming. AI is going to be a huge force in media um, and in content creation. The metaverse is real. People will start living rich, robust you know, virtual lives with currency experiences in those lives. What I'm saying is we'll show up once we understand it. And once it looks to be something that will scale. And look, it's not like you guys don't have enough irons in the fire. Yeah. You know, yeah, we're busy. we've covered a lot of ground, you know, we're talking about video views, podcast downloads, merchandise, events, betting, I'm just curious, though, about the mix here. I think when we spoke, you know, three plus years ago, podcasts was very front and center. It felt like that was where. So what's the shift like in terms of, you know, you've you've 
got a lot going here, but I want to know what's sort of front and center. Yeah, at the, you know, we've had to, I was interviewing a candidate this morning and I was explaining to her that what's made Barstool so great from a business point of view is that we've had to break ourselves five or six times over. When I got to Barstool, you know, the chairman and guys were awesome, but they were like, hey, we think that you'll do like $25 million in revenue by 2024. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. I was like, I'm not sure we'll be able to do that. We did $25 million in revenue in like 16 months. And my point of sharing that is that we've had to break ourselves several times over because the people, the way we did things, what we did at 5 million bucks was different than what we did at 25 million bucks, which was different at 50, which was different at hundred, which was different at 150 and on and on we go. So our, our biggest challenge and the greatest thing in front of us is continuing to break ourselves so that we are super relevant, that we're insanely efficient and that we're making content that connects with people, makes them laugh, makes them feel something, entertains them the way the world looks right now. So when we talked, podcasting was like the name of the game. And we were so early on podcasting. Um, it was free. It was easy to produce. It was simple to distribute. It was easy to monetize. Now, I, you know, it's not that I would say podcasting is dead, but the mentality at least inside of Barstool Sports, that you're going to press play, record your audio only show, press stop, edit it, and produce one piece of content is over. And what we're thinking about now is as we make content, if it's an hour long piece of content, how many 45 second videos are in that? And how many places could we put those 40 seconds, you know, those, those 45 second videos or 30 second videos or a minute and a half videos? So, I think the future will be, everything is secular, right? Like we'll go to really short form and then it will go back to really long form and then we'll be back to short form. But I think for us, it's about understanding where consumers are, what they want. We've always been a, a company that's grown in free and publicly available platforms. Like we grow like anybody grows on the internet. And so understanding where people are on the internet, what they're doing and why they care so long as we need to keep following that. And so long as we do, we'll be successful. Sounds pretty dizzying, but a lot of fun. And uh, I'm sure you'll be having a lot of fun in Phoenix this weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. And thanks for talking to me today. Great. Thank you, Andrew, so much. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.